Welcome to Modern Morality. My name is Mikey, and I'm joined here by John. Hello, everyone. And Johnny. Hello. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoy. Hey, Hunter. This one's for you. Good listening. All righty. Welcome to Modern Morality. So, with us today, we have John, Johnny, who's our usual uh, co-host, but we also have a guest star. So we have Eddie, or he goes by Scoot, or Junior, whichever he prefers. What are you going by today? That works. How are y'all? All righty. So um, the reason we wanted to uh, get Eddie involved is because he's he's been a follower of ours since we pretty much started, and he's pr- provided a lot of valuable critiques to our podcast. And we pretty much told him that instead of just complaining, why don't you come do it yourself? And that's what we're doing. And one of the complaints was uh, we didn't have an episode one week. Yeah, we didn't have an episode one week. Man, so. we have not lived that down. It wasn't just Eddie that said that. I oh, mean, I, I was hunting for the editor's number to call. <laughs> well, I can give it to you unless, uh, <laughs> after the after the show. So, for the last or so, the last two episodes has kind of been over how certain media or entertainment has shaped morality. So we had an episode on music. We touched um, on TVs and movies on our previous episode. Um, so I think today we we might talk about books. Let's talk about books. See what happens. So, um, Johnny, books John, they, books they make movies out of, or it could be. Uh, Honestly, it really could be. Or any book. Any book. Let's talk about how books shape morality. I think books have more uh, moral implications. I can't even say it. Help me out. Because I don't think some people realize that movies came from some books. Just saying. I know some books that were based off of movies. I thought oh, they <laughs> I thought they wrote books after the movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. They did that in the Game of Thrones. Did they really? The last season still being wrote. Oh. That doesn't surprise me. Um, but one of the, so we're talking about morality. Well, you can say that a lot of the basis of our modern or our traditional morality comes from a book, the Bible. But I think books are one of the most powerful ways to have moral lessons given to us. I mean, we read to kids in our um, in the education system. Uh, people read books for inspiration. They read books for instruction. I think books are a uh, really important source for us to learn morality. So, what kind of experience do you have with books, Eddie? Well, bu- books are kind of the uh, the stepping stones. I mean, as a young child, you're the very first things you're you're taught is to read after you learn how to speak, and from there. Um, Learning to read and, and, and reading books that are shaping your lives. I know my kids right now are into the I Survive books, which is a history. Yeah, I Survive's pretty good. It's a it's a pretty good little history series. But so know. so Johnny and John may not know about the I Survive books. So why would, why would I not know? Because it's a fairly John modern could book write that book. What book. you talking about? He probably. <laughs> I mean, the one we just read was I Survived Pearl Harbor. So well, well, you know, there is a chapter in the Bible called john yeah there is <laughs> that don't mean i wrote it i was gonna say are you <laughs> implying that you're <laughs> I'm, not gonna take, I'm not gonna take credit for that <laughs> good i'm glad to hear that yeah he's never gonna live this down after that podcast <laughs> i'm gonna start calling him john's every day <laughs> so so i gotta ask this question no wait a minute can i ask questions well, this episode? Ho- no hold well, on some episodes let, I let me finish my i survived thought and then i'll okay. let you go to your question so i survived there's this author and i don't remember what her original book series was um, but she started doing historical narratives or um, 
they're they're fiction, but they're based off of real life events. Uh, it's kind of like the Magic Treehouse. Y'all may know those. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very similar to that, but they're more historically accurate when it comes to these events. So there's like I survived Pearl Harbor. Um, I survived. There's like a great tsunami of yeah. We we've Japan done this tsunami, like the um, Civil War, yeah, the Revolutionary War. They, they go. There's a bunch of them. Yeah, and they're they're a great resource for our school. But I mean, they're not. I don't want to say they really teach morals as much as they teach history. They they do. But that the the point I was taking to that is is getting you engaged, especially kids engaged to want to learn to read, and then from there they take it like a grassroots fire well, and start well, reading. More. Let's just get down right back uh, down to it. Morality is is learned, right? I don't think morality is inherent, so to speak. Um, so but who, who chooses the book? Well, who chooses the book is one thing, but I think the, the point I was going to make is the basis of morality is the education you have. So the more knowledge you have, the um, more, I don't want to say developed your morality could be, because you can. I don't know how to explain that. But sure. I, I think it's, it really is the stepping stone. Uh, reading is the stepping stone for building your knowledge to have a true moral character. I fully agree with that. May I add one one caveat to that, though? Did you raise your hand first? I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'll raise anything you want me to raise, Mikey. <laughs> but the issue that I have with with things that are based on history is that someone, young children, uh, read these historical documents, and that stays with them the rest of their life. And I and I have I have somewhat of an issue with that. I, I don't mind children learning history as long as it's history for the sake of history, not for the history not for history for entertainment value. Does that make any sense? And the history should be truly how the history happened. It shouldn't be right. somebody else's twisted warped view of I, what they feel like it should be. I well, would, I, I, I was going to say the books are written by the victors, right? That's that one hundred percent. Not necessarily. The Japanese have written a lot of books. <laughs> about how about how they won that's right about how they won the war yeah, yeah. exactly but yeah it, it, it's 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 a fine line that people have to walk when they when they publish these books is you know how much is historical fact versus readers keeping the reader's attention uh, and people have to be very careful that but very cognizant of that right well, we're only talking about history at this point. What about fantasy? I mean, <laughs> take take some of the wizardry and magic books that kids yeah, read. The I've, Harry Potter series. I've talked Percy to parents. Jackson. Yeah, I've talked to parents who they're like, we're not letting our kids it's do witchcraft. that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's witchcraft. Yeah, that's witchcraft. It's evil. Yeah, my grandmother was that way. She would not let me read Harry Potter or watch Harry Potter because she thought it was witchcraft. And in and the Bible Belt, that was she, she was very strong uh, against us not partaking in that it goes even further from there i mean eric von daniken wrote the chariots of the gods are y'all familiar with that with how the aliens not. came through and helped um develop past societies hmm. so i mean it, it goes it go, that's hard to find in the bible belt too see I, again i'm coming back to teach your kids how to take things in perspective and that starts at home i mean What's wrong with a little fantasy as long as you're still getting a good moral lesson out of it? And I've seen some of these shows, shows and books that have, they have plenty of lessons in them. They're just also colored with, with some fantasy. Well, well, I mean, Aesop's Fables, one of the there prime examples of that. A, a fable is specifically to teach a moral. Well, well to teach a lesson. 
The yeah. moral of the story. That's where the yeah. moral, uh, moral came from. That that phrase came from the moral of a fable. Um, it, like it, growing up, we had um, all the Aesop fables book in the library, uh, books in the library, and at the back of every book, it was what is the moral, and the moral was if it was the rabbit and the hare, you know, um, what what? Oh shoot, I can't even remember exactly how it was worded. It was um, slow and steady wins the race. That's how it was worded. See, I mean, I don't know how far we'd want to take this topic, but, you know, homeschooling. What's the reason a lot of parents homeschool? They want to have, they want to be able to select and control that kind of thing that their kids are exposed to. I'm well, like, let them, let them get, let them get exposed to the real world and then teach them how to cope and deal with that. Well, I think in order to do that, don't they need to have a good foundation before they're exposed to all the counter stuff? Yeah, I, I would I would say though it depends on where that foundation's coming from. You know, up until a certain age, they can't select for themselves who's who's making the selection. Well, I will tell you that the latest trend when it comes to uh, books for kids, graphic novels. Kids aren't reading the same they used to. Um, everything like stories, like books, novels, are now being adapted into graphic novels for kids. And that's, I don't know if it's just trying to get them more interested in reading or what, but it takes the story element out of it. It only gives them dialogue. And I think that's a great disservice to our kids. I feel like all the, because you're not really seeing the thoughts of the characters develop. That sounds like the teacher of this group, doesn't it? Well, you know, I'm going to throw one on there. So one that we're we're facing is the Accelerated Reader Program. I had it when I was in school and I loved it. Well, now there's incentives for your word count at the end of each year. If you read X amount of words, you get a party or you get something like that. So a lot of kids today are going and picking the biggest book they can, not understanding what they're reading, trying to attempt to take a 20-question test on it. Couldn't tell you what it was, but in their mind, they're trying to have the party. Yeah. Yeah, we used and they're to have, all three-letter words. Yeah, yeah. Now Not we, when I was in elementary words. school, we had a million-word count challenge. Yep, that's where they're at now. Yep, and um, we had AR, and I think AR was really important because it didn't, t- it wasn't necessarily putting emphasis on the words per se, rather than the comprehension of like the, the main idea of the stories or what. If if you can actually read the text and and formulate your own ideas about what was impacted in this chapter. I feel like that's more important than you know saying you can read 120 words per minute. Re- reading without comprehension is useless. I agree. I agree. And that and that goes from everything from science fiction to technical manuals. See, and um, the issue that we're facing right now. So I'm a fourth grade teacher. Um, two years ago, pandemic happened, and the foundation uh, where these kids are learning their fundamentals when it comes to reading, their phonics, their phonemic awareness, and all this. They never really got it the proper way. So we have fourth graders who can barely read. And it's doing them a disservice because it's not only affecting their comprehension in reading text. They can't do word problems in math because they don't understand what they're reading. Vocabulary is hard. When they do science and social studies, if there's an article that, that's giving them information for, for the water cycle, they have to read that information, process it, and then learn from it. And... and if you, without that well, what, found what, fundamental what, learning or that fundamental um, reading, what ability. I've learned in the business world was, and I've heard this for years, and it's, it's it's always held true. You're only as good as what you're measured on. So select those measurements carefully. That's what the results you're going to get. Right. And so, um, to John's point, I I think I remember when I was in school, they they graded us on comprehension, 
that was the main goal, but that took a lot of effort. Right. Took effort on the teacher's part, everything. And they also risk low scores, which the teachers are now graded on, is their scores of the students. And that's a problem because they're teaching to the test now instead of teaching the material. Exactly. Right. Exactly. See, and, and I'm, I mean, I'm fairly new as a teacher, and I know that I have many flaws, but the one thing that I really, the one thing that I really push for is I want to know that this kid, before they get up to go to their next class, understands what I'm trying to tell them. And it's, it, I really do try to uh, teach to mastery, which is hard to do in the limited time. And the other thing that we're facing as teachers is that we have so many standards to teach, but only so much time to do it. And a lot of these kids need remediation that they can't get because we have to move on to the next topic. And when it comes to their reading, it, it's hard. And that their lack of reading, their inability to read – definitely affects their morals. They, they're not learning the lessons that these thousands of uh, books, these resources that they have, they're not learning the lessons from them, not properly. So what's happening is you have kids who have rotten attitudes, have not learned the lessons that these storybooks um, are teaching them. How do you equate that to privilege? Here's, oh. where, here's where I'm going with that. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're equipped to be able to comprehend and to be able to have critical thinking i can tell you right now one of the biggest things people are lacking in the business world is trying to hire people with critical thinking skills it's hard to find it's not taught and so you, you can't teach it oh there's a whole nother you can't teach there's a whole thinking. nother topic there but um I, I guess where i was going with that was that um i lost my to- total train of thought sorry so yeah, privilege. So if you're equipped, then you're you that is a privilege to you. It's not what society's given you or what your parents have given you. It's what you're equipped to go do gives you privileges that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So we're doing a disservice if we don't arm and equip our kids today. And and that makes them where they can go and you know, it's it's easier to pick your morals when you have options than it is when you don't. I agree with that, but my that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, my argument to that is the difference between me and my brothers. We were raised in the exact same environment, exact same privileges. But we have completely different morals. So that is privilege is, really the factor that, there, Mikey? That's your perspective. They probably have a different perspective than you do. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure, but I mean, if we're, we're we talking may have about, to have them on one day for a yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I think Rebuttal that would be a time. good listen, really. So, yeah. so far, we haven't p- had to put in an explicit hey, rating Eddie, on, on our podcast. Eddie represents our audience, and he says it would be a good listen. So, yeah. <laughs> well. I, I would like to add something about, about since Mikey's in the education system, I think there's so many distractions in education these days. Uh, you know, just every time you turn the TV on, there's there's some school being sued because of the materials that they're to have did uh, you say something john my phone was ringing yeah exactly exactly <laughs> uh every time you turn around there's something uh interrupting uh the education system and yeah. and, and it, i think it's a shame it's 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 a it's a disservice for the children it's a disservice for society in general so i can, i can add to that and this kind of goes away from books but i think it's still on topic a little bit so let me, let me elaborate so every kid now has a Chromebook. 
Every single one. It's theirs for their uh, uh, time in school. Well, in, in your school system. In, in our school system. Mm-hmm. If Most of them either have Chromebooks or iPads at this point. Almost, almost every school that I have heard of have some type of technology that is theirs that they use. I have seen technology be used to do amazing things in the education system. It get, it makes the kids more engaged. They do learn from it. I have seen it do great things. But I've also seen it where kids are so focused on this game that they're playing. Even though it's an educational game, they are so glued to it that they're not paying attention to the lesson being taught. And that is a huge challenge that we face. And um, we had recently... What do you do about that in the classroom? When I was in school, we didn't have that. I know. I'm saying, what is a teacher now that you're doing in the classroom? The only, so there's the, we just recently got a safeguard behind it. We just recently got some software that kind of helps us monitor that a lot more besides just walking around. But honestly, the only thing that we can do is tell them to close their computers, put it in the middle of their table, and to pay attention. And if they touch it, they get uh, disciplined one way or another. What are they doing that's not pertaining to the class that you're teaching? So, like... We have a um, a program that we use called Blookit. Blookit is a, you create your own uh, question set. So like in this case, vocabulary. Um, they have 20 vocabulary questions. It might be 10 words where there's the definitions and then 10 sentences that the, the words can go in. Um, and this Blookit software has 20 different games, unique games, that those 20, uh, that those questions can be fed into. So let's say, for example, they have a tower defense game. Uh, every time they want to, or every time they lose so much health, they have to answer questions in order to obtain health. And it's a game for them, but they're having to learn the material. And they're having to learn it because they only get rewarded. You're, you're gamifying correct. it and using that for the metric. Right. Well, what happens is, is that's almost becoming addictive. Yeah. It's, uh, and the uh, Blookit system uh, like specifically has... So has this really changed, or are you just telling it's the modern version of our Hot Wheels that we had when I was in elementary well, school? Hot Wheels... Well, we didn't play with them during class. During class, right. Well, that, they, we, they wouldn't have let us. We would have exactly, had a letter. Exactly. That. Right. Well, the issue is um, what we've been... And we're getting better at it. I mean, I say there's always, been impro- there's always going to be improvements, and there's always can be improvements. But what's happening now is we used to have, we pretty much have to walk around constantly monitoring people's str- uh, screens because there's always going to be one or two kids who are doing something off task always doesn't without fail. Um, but as far as the the system goes, I mean that's just the way they learn. And there we actually ha- were talking. I was talking to some of my teachers. Um, you know, you teammates. know, we had those we had those kind of kids when I was in school too. But you know what the repercussion was? They failed. That don't happen today. They well, it it depends. So not not the the criteria is much different, but it depends. It, you pretty much have to try to fail. So uh, you know, on that same token, my wife teaches um, at the high school, so they have a problem with phones. Oh, I bet on the on the same principle as far as you know, they're working on their computers. Um, such and such allows us to listen to our music while we're working on their class, but I want to do it in your class and you're not allowing me. So that that's an issue with technology yeah. and, well, and trying to, to bend the rules there. So, uh, again, way off topic on, of, of books, but this is another topic that I would love to, to, to dive into. There's right, well, no let's, let's bring it back to books then. Book burning. You're just going to cut me off? Yeah, I did. Sorry about that. No, but the one thing we'll talk about, and I want to go ahead and get it out here before I forget to mention it, is how it feels like nobody has each other's back anymore. 
you're talking about how one teacher says that you, they can use phones and another teacher doesn't. That happens all the time. Well, that happens in households too. Uh, very much so. Step parenting, whatever. That's a good, that's a good topic. Yeah. And um, I feel like that's something we could we could definitely elaborate on. But we can't on. do it all in one episode. You know sure, the, we can. Let's know, have a three hour episode, guys. Let's you know, do it. The um, the school systems are are funded. And they pay for people like superintendents, for principals, for assistant principals, for curriculum directors. I don't think they're doing their jobs. That's just my point of view. I don't remember having all those roles when we were in school. Well, we got by fine. Well, that's a matter of opinion, too, I'm sure. I think (laughs) that it has been complicated to the point where those roles, I don't say are necessary, but there there is need for additional support. Like I will say, and this is not me trying to, you know, kiss a butt or anything, but my my principal team, amazing. They really try to support their uh, their teachers. Um, we have one assistant principal, one you know, one principal, one counselor. Very small admin team up top, but I mean, they are busting their tail trying to make sure that we have the funding we need to buy resources, making sure the kids are behaving properly in any way that they can, making sure that the school is safe. I mean, they really do work constantly. And they, I mean, I may have the summers off, but these, these principal, uh, these, uh, this admin team, they don't have the time off that we do. So See, I, may, I, I think maybe, there's maybe yet another episode, but you know, I remember what taxes were to support the schools 30 years ago versus what they are now. And they're struggling now. Where's the money going? Computers. Computers. That, let's take this back to books. So are y'all kids still getting issued books? They're, I don't want to say they're required, but they typically have two library books with them at all times. Do the kids know what the Dewey Decimal System is? Uh, it's. I know it's taught in the library system. So, like, we have... What? <laughs> oh, wait, that's that, right. I, that was knew, before, I knew Mr. Dewey. I was going to say, that was before your time, John. <laughs> Um, was that Uncle Dewey? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so like we have, and so like camp is what we call it. So we have computer lab, or um, or I think it's actually called a media center, um, art, PE, music, so on. And when they have media center that week, I believe that's where a lot of those lessons are being taught. And it's, I mean, it's plastered all over the walls. I mean, there's really no need. For them not to know, or not to say there's no need, there's no excuse for them not to know the Dewey Dec- Decimal System by the time they leave elementary school. I bet card catalog's not there, though. No. I bet it's in the back somewhere. Surely. Hopefully. They're not putting numbers on the spines of books anymore? It's so all on a barcode now, isn't it? <laughs> barcode, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's all barcode. Yeah, but kids today can just look at the barcode and they can read it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, um, one of the things talking about books, you're talking about AR, accelerated uh, reading. We have something called Fontes and Pinnell. Fontes and Pinnell Excuse is, me? Yeah, uh, is a system of, it's reading comprehension and reading fluency. And it's how we grade what level they are. So, you know, back when we were in elementary school, which I can say that with, with Eddie on, as a guest um, as a guest today, when we had AR, we were based on kind of like grade level. If you were a 5.2, you're a low fifth grade uh, reading level. Well, John, I feel discriminated. <laughs> how, does, how is that determined? <clears throat> what, the grade level or the uh, reading level? It was typically by doing the read, uh, the AR test. And as you did very well on the test, your level would keep increasing. And then you would read bigger books. If you read a seventh grade book and you took a test and passed it 
fine colors, then that you would keep increasing your so uh, what's level. So what's the bottom line from the testing? Comprehension. Comprehension, yeah. In the, in the and books, AR was definitely comprehension. In, was, in the books at that time, I believe, were leveled based on the 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 content of the book as far as ma- words, the stories. Maturity, yeah. yeah. So you can have a book that may have very, I don't want to say simple sentences or simple words, but if the uh, content was very gory, it would tend to be higher up there for maturity because it's harder to pull certain main ideas from that. Or if it was something about romance where um, certain things happened over a span of time. And so we're, was, we're talking about grading the books at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Fontes and Pinnell does it a little differently. Where and, it, and then if you comprehend that book, you're at that level. Well, I have a I have a grandson consistent, and, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure what how it was exactly rated, but he uh, when he was in the fifth grade, he was reading at a ninth grade level, mm-hmm. and and in the ninth grade he was reading at a um, freshman college level, and there the problem that that the school was having was giving him age appropriate materials to read. Yep. And and that, that that's <laughs> that's still the case. He's, he's, Which he's, I think that is more of an exception than the rule. And what I mean by that is there are gifted kids out there. There are kids who can take something and they can read it, and comprehend it and learn from it. And, and like understanding and learning from something are two different things, I believe. You can understand a, a general sense, but if you can learn it, uh, uh, read something and truly learn from it and use that um, skill you learn in practice, that is something that a lot of kids lack nowadays. Um, but to that point, we have kids now. Uh, like one of the things I was going to say about Fontes and Pinnell is they're not using like library books. They have books in this kit. You read level N, you got a nonfiction and a fiction book. And they are graded on fluency and comprehension. And the way they do the fluency is not speed, but accuracy of the words. If they miss a word, they get that word checked off. And if they have so much percentage of uh, You mean like fluency, we used to grade typing? Close. Very close. Um, and anyways, they would do the fluency. And if they did very well, then that's a good score on their part. But if they bombed comprehension, they're not that level. If they didn't understand what they're reading, they're not going to be at that level, even though they read every word perfect, perfectly. Excuse me. And um, so, I mean, it's a good system to use, but it limits them because we have kids who read very, very fluently, uh, who can read level Zs or Z pluses, but can't comprehend it, and they're rereading the books, mm-hmm. which is almost a cheat. It's no longer a cold read for them. So I'm I'm curious if a book was a fifth grade level thirty years ago is that same book still a fifth grade level? It is. I got my feelings hurt. I bought my son a book that I read called The Hatchet. I don't know if y'all read it. I know the Hatchet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we reread it in class. And I thought you know it'd be a, a great book for him to read. Well, he's um, I want to say he's reading on a fifth grade level, um, and it's a sixth grade level. And we kind of, they've kind of said, hey, look, you need to do this. Well, then I, I got to thinking, you know, I read that book in sixth grade. So it, it probably is still We read there. Hatchet in fourth grade. Um, is it the same Hatchet where uh, Brian had a plane crash? Yep. And it's the survival story? Such a good story. I think I read that in second grade, didn't you, John? <laughs> Can I kind of <laughs> change this? Where's the red fern grows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could probably tell you he was there. I want to change the direction right quick. 
uh, going back to, to fables and, and morals from, from fables, can somebody tell me what, what was learned from Jack and the Beanstalk? Don't go trespassing. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> You'll get squashed. Uh, squash. Eddie? Don't count your beans before you have them. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I, I, couldn't think, I think it has something to do with greed. I think it. Oh, that's a good point. I think greed has. I thought point. it was just entertainment. Uh, yeah, I, I, I. No, I can see that. So you're talking about is it greed that Jack stole the goose that laid the golden eggs, or is it greed that he thought the magic beans could do something far greater than practical means? Where does the greed come into play? That's fantasy. Or, the, or the greed came from the guy who who sold him, uh, gave him beans, beans for his cow. Hmm. Well, lots of lots, lots of, of things lots going of, on lots there. Lots of things going on there, and 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 you know, isn't that something like what they call multicollinearity? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mikey used a big word. I had to throw one in there. What big word did I use? I, I don't know. It sounded like you were sneezing every time. Uh, oh, Fontis and Fennel are names. There you go. They're names. Oh, Fontis okay. Fennel. <laughs> They're two names. They're put together and made a comp or a, a literary set out of them. It wasn't a vocabulary word. I can use those big words like mayonnaise and refrigerator. Those are big words. They are. I wish you would read a book. <laughs> <laughs> so tying this back to tying this back to morality. So I think John was trying to do that before you started going into the uh, grocery list. Chicken, <laughs> the chicken and the egg. Oh God! Right. We keep coming back to this when we talk about morality. Is you know books forming morality? Morality forming the books. And then I kept wanting to, I kept wanting to interject at the risk of even cutting Mikey off earlier. That, you know, what about people who are censors, and what about the book burning, and and um, DVDs getting run over? D- and- yeah. So, you know, mm. who's controlling what, and so, who's the ones that are immoral? So this is just this is kind of my personal, maybe even political beliefs coming in on this. I believe that every every parent has the right to monitor and potentially censor what their child is exposed to. I agree with that. Absolutely. So when it comes, but to every parent shouldn't have the right to judge what my kids are watching. I agree. I would say, as far as the book burning goes, I think that was more of a, I don't even a show than it was something an, an act of true. I don't even know what the best word to if use. If you want, if you burn one book, it's not going to make the books go away. No. 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 <laughs> It was it was just a Don't show. Make the book become a martyr. It's almost a threat, <laughs> exactly. if anything. I mean, <clears throat> let's take that even further. Even books that are banned by governments still show up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're actually sought after more. I know right. people are going to get their hands on them regardless. All you've right. done is move them to the black market. So, and I think this goes back to Johnny's point as to it's it's one thing to teach people what books say. It's another thing to teach how we should monitor ourselves in reading books or how our kids should monitor themselves reading books. So one of the things that we say often um, between me and Johnny, and I, I think Eddie used to probably say this often too, is govern yourselves accordingly. I, I think that should be the moral of every parenting decision when it comes to these types of media or, or um, influences is you got to teach your kids to govern themselves accordingly. If they can't be self-reliant, um, they're never going to make it in in the world, not as a successful. I won't say successful. Well, here, as a, here's you know, successful you, know, you know what happens when parents don't take charge and govern their children. The government takes charge and governs their children. Well, this is another topic. 
I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the government is more actively seeking to take children rather than the government just getting them from parents who don't care. That like take the- children from popular theme parks or <laughs> <laughs> ice cream trucks. <laughs> like I understand that, and, and I agree, but I, but I think it has um, uh, morphed into that. No, I think no. I think originally it came because the government realized well the parents aren't doing anything. Well, let's see what we can do with them. Right. No, I agree. Well, with what happened that. before that though? Didn't the didn't the villages raise the kid? Is that different than government? What was the lady's name in Robin Hood? You took it to Jack and the Beanstalk. She raised the kids all the, uh, I can't remember what her name was now, though. I can't remember what her name is. You're talking about the old lady that lived in the shoe. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That was Mother Hubbard. Oh, okay. And Andrew Dice Clay had a joke about that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to go there. Talk about morality. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's as far as the... <laughs> the storybooks go. I mean, there are several examples. I mean, you got Peter Pan. Uh, you can learn a lot from Peter Pan if you truly looked into it. And maybe that's something that uh, that's we need to talk about as far as the books go, is how many lessons are we missing because of the entertainment value? I think you said this because of history. People are reading history for the entertainment value, not because they're trying to learn from it. Well, that's not just books. Look at the cartoons 30, 40, 50 years ago. Cartoons were... Uh were you know they all were about those things happening in the time the current mm-hmm. current events you know how many disney cartoons were had references to war back in world war 2 i think wasn't there i think it's banned now but wasn't there a disney like mickey mouse or donald duck hitler thing yes. going back to hitler it's this episode 3 of, things, of hitler <laughs> a lot of those things have been banned now and people won't ever see mm-hmm. them but i think that comes back we started off this episode with talking about history if you don't know the history how do you put context on these things we've come like full circle in our discussion <laughs> just so you guys know if you heard a thump that was eddie <laughs> that was eddie flicking an ant off his microphone <laughs> sorry <laughs> dead ant dead ant uh. <laughs> Well, uh, that, say, well, that cartoons kind of opens up a whole other can of worms. So we're at 33 minutes right now. I mean, if you go to cartoons, South Park keeps up the current times. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in the next episode. So, all right, I think we're going to wrap up the book discussion, this um, this book club right now. So, John, anything you want to add before we close up topic? No, I think we covered a lot. Now, you never should judge a book by its cover. You're right. All right. Uh, <laughs> Johnny? I can't top that joke. All righty. Eddie? Nothing here. Is he, uh, talk, is he talking about your hair and, and my hair? <laughs> can't top it? I don't have hair. So <laughs> I, yeah. All righty. Well, thank you for listening to Modern, uh, Modern Morality. We hope that you continue to listen and uh, yeah, have a great night. Thank you for listening to Modern Morality. Please visit our website at modernmoralitymedia.com and leave us some feedback about the show. We look forward to exploring more with you. Until next time.